The main message today, now again, that's the pre-service, pre-message message. The main message today is this message called, And There Was Light. Now, that might sound like a, uh, a message straight out of Genesis, but we'll save that for another time. This particular light that we're talking about is uh, a light that Paul, actually his name was Saul at the time when he discovered, and, and he had a certain light encounter on a road to a place called Damascus. And that's what the focus is going to be on today. What it talk, We're going to talk about what it means to have uh, that kind of encounter, to, to, have, to step into the light of Christ. Now, how many of you have heard of this guy named Paul before? Right? If you've read Scripture, if you've read the Bible, if you've spent any time at all, or if you've spent any time in Sunday school, you've probably heard of this guy named Paul. Why? Because Paul was a missionary, and he actually is accredited with at least 13 books in our New Testament as letters that he wrote to other churches to inspire and to encourage them, all inspired by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. But the thing is about Paul is that he didn't start off this way. I mean, he, he became one of the greatest missionaries and evangelists that we have on record. But Paul used to be called what? Saul, not King Saul, not from the Old Testament, but this is Saul. And Saul was known for going around and persecuting Christians, people who were new believers, who were coming to Christ, people who were starting to follow the resurrected Jesus. And Saul didn't like that. Why? Because Saul was a man of many talents. He was a jack of all trades, but he was trained up in the ways of the Pharisees. And so he understood the law to the letter of the law. And the Old Testament law didn't have any room, at least in the way of thinking right now, he didn't have any room for this Jesus, whoever this guy was that seemed like that he was important. And the people who were following this guy were going against the law, and therefore they needed to be persecuted. So he did his part in persecuting Christians. Again, he was schooled in, in the Jewish ant ways of the ancestry. He, he had a zeal for the Jewish law, and, and this, of course, is what led to this assault on the followers of Jesus. Because in his way of thinking, if Israel was going to survive, if Jerusalem was going to continue to be of importance, then these followers of the way had to be wiped out. They need to be taken out. They need to be hauled off. If I say the name Stephen in association with the early church and the disciples, does that name ring a bell to anybody? Stephen is one of the first recognized martyrs that we have in Scripture and that he lost his life proclaiming Jesus Christ. And what we know about Saul is that he stood by and held the coats of those who were throwing the stones at Stephen that led to his death. Paul stood by and approved what was going on right then and there. This is the kind of guy that we're talking about. He's threatening the church. He, he went to the high priest to get letters. And if he found believers in the synagogues in Damascus, he would bring them back to Jerusalem and be prisoned. So he was going to head off to Damascus because he heard about the, these followers of the way, these followers of Jesus Christ. They were building numbers and they were gaining momentum there. And he was headed out to take care of business. He would take no, uh, you know, he would uh, take no, um, no one who claimed Jesus Christ, he would not listen to what they had to say, and he was going to bring them back and put them in prison. He was one bad dude when it came to early believers. He was mean, he was ruthless, and he had an agenda that he desired to be fulfilled. But something happened on the road to Damascus. It was official, he had his letters, and he was marching. He was headed out. Did anybody see any of the... Uh, 
the little mini-series of the same people that, that made the, the history of the Bible. There's one on the book of Acts. Has anybody seen that one on, you know, you just watch the streaming or whatever online? It's called Acts of the Apostles, and it was made, made by the same people, Mark Burnett and Roma Downey. A- anyway, uh, I think they did a really good job of portraying the actor who portrays Paul because he's always in a hurry. You know, when they're out marching down the road, he's out in front of everybody, and he's, you know, he, you can, he's a man of business, and he's on his way. But I, but I think that was probably a good representation of what Saul was like. So Saul is out. He's probably out in front of the guys. He's like, come on, hurry up. We got to get there because we got business. We, we, got, we got followers on the way. We got, we got people to persecute. We got people to get to jail because they're not doing what they are supposed to be doing according to the law. But on the road to Damascus, this happens. And that brings us to our passage for today, Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 6. It says this, Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. Won't you pray with me? Lord, we pray this morning for your spirit to move among us in a very real and powerful way. And Lord, we we pray that our hearts will be moved and our hearts will be turned as we talk about what it means to have this true encounter with the light of Jesus. Lord, and just as Saul was transformed from that moment on, Lord, we pray that that you will continue to transform us. And Lord, I pray that if there be someone here this morning who, who who doesn't know you, who's never had that transformation, who's never had that encounter with the light of Christ, that, Father, today might be the day that they would have that genuine encounter and that they would see the transformation begin to take place in their lives by accepting Jesus as their personal Savior. So, Lord, we just pray for great things this morning, and we pray for your message to ring true. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Saul on the road to Damascus has a genuine encounter. You see, Saul has this genuine encounter. It was very dramatic. It was a true come-to-Jesus meeting. Anybody heard that term before? You know it, and some of you have used that because you're out there and you're on the road and somebody is cuts you off and you're like, that person needs a come-to-Jesus meeting right now. You know, we've all heard that, used it. Well, Paul, Saul had that true come-to-Jesus meeting because there was no doubt There was no doubt in his mind to who he had seen or what he was doing or what he had been called to do. And so we have to ask ourselves this morning. We've got to be honest with ourselves. Because again, kind of like I was talking about earlier, some of us can, you know, make fake it till you make it. Some of us are good enough to fake it and and pretend and put on the facade and and we put on that face and and we just look like everybody else or we look like you know, a Christian is supposed to, but deep down inside, we have to ask ourselves from the inside out, from the heart, it's a heart matter. Have we truly had a come to Jesus meeting? Have we truly had a genuine encounter with Christ? Do we know who Jesus is and what it means for Jesus to be alive in our lives today? See, Jesus lives. You know, he went to that cross over 2,000 years ago when he died. And, And Scripture is very clear what happened. He he didn't just pass out. He didn't just fall asleep. He didn't just drift off. He wasn't in a coma. No, he died on that cross, on that cruel Roman cross. He was dead. He was gone. His life extinguished. 
And they took that dead body of Jesus off of that cross and put him in a grave. And then three days later, Jesus got up and he walked out of the grave. He went from dead to alive. That's the risen Savior that we serve. That's the risen Savior that we are talking about having a genuine encounter with. Have you had that genuine Christ encounter? If you are a born-again believer, then you know because you've got the assurance of the Holy Spirit. You see, I believe it's like this, that when we accept Jesus Christ, then as Jesus promised that the one who would come after him would allow us to do great things, that's the Holy Spirit. When we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior and we say you know, yes to him, uh, then we receive the power of the Holy Spirit upon us. And what happens is when we receive the Holy Spirit, then we have the assurance of the Spirit that Jesus is Lord and Savior and that we have had this genuine encounter and that means we have a place set aside for us in all eternity with our Heavenly Father. Now, maybe you're here today and you can't recall a time that you had that come to Jesus meeting, that you had that genuine encounter. We have to ask ourselves, have we truly met the man who changed the world? Have you truly come to know Jesus? And and, and not just about him, not just about Jesus, not just knowing something about him, because you see, again, we can't fake it till we make it. You know, if you spent any time as a kid at church or you spent any time as a kid going to vacation Bible school or Sunday school, then you probably know something about Jesus. But you see, you can know something about someone. So you can jump on social media, you can stalk someone on Facebook, right? And you, you can know about someone, but you don't really know someone until you've encountered that someone, Right? And it can be scary. It can be scary how accurate people can be, right? When they do a little stalking, and now it's so much easier. Lila and I had a conversation last night as I picked her up from work, and we were, because she was talking about some crazy people at work and their behaviors, and and she's like, guys are crazy. I said, well, let me tell you, some girls are crazy too. And I said, let me tell you, I went, when I was in high school, I went out with this girl. Well, I didn't really go out with her. One, one time after a dance, I, I took this gal home, and she was new to the school. I just moved there, I guess, was trying to make friends and all that kind of stuff. And I knew her name, didn't really know much about her, but I was trying to be the nice guy. And she was kind of cute. So I thought, well, you know, she's a ride home after the dance. Uh, I'll, I'll take her home. And so sure enough, she said, yeah, she did. And so on the way, I'm trying to introduce myself and tell her all about. And everything I told her, she looked at me and says, I know. So, well, yeah, I live out in, there's a place in my hometown called Streamland. It's a big, huge neighborhood. And she's like, yes, I know. I said, yeah, well, I you know, played football. Because I think she moved after football season was over. I said, yeah, I played football, number 61. Yeah, I knew that. It was scary. It was, I was not even looking forward to seeing her at school the next Monday. It was, I can't imagine what that would be like nowadays, you know, with, with social media and Facebook. So, again... Now, she knew everything about me, but she didn't really have a true encounter, and, and there was not another true encounter that took place after that because she scared me off. <laughs> but you see, we don't really know. We can know about someone, and we can know, we can stalk them and know where they live or what they do or whatever, but we don't really know until we encounter them. And see, I think the thing is, is a lot of people that say, yeah, I know Jesus, but they don't really know Jesus, because they know, well, okay, he was the Son of God, and yeah, he came and well, we celebrate Christmas, so we know that he was born of a virgin and, and comes from Bethlehem, and, and, and we celebrate Easter, so we know that he 
He died on a cross and then rose again and know all that stuff, but until you get to know Him, until you have that personal, genuine encounter and spend time with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then you haven't had a true come-to-Jesus meeting. You haven't had that light of Christ encounter. See, encountering is not observing from afar. It's getting up close impersonal. And another thing, it's not encountering through someone else. You know, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, people who spend a lot of time on the sports field with their kids, and I see things, especially again on social media, you see things posted, and they're talking about their kids, and you know, they're so into their sports life, or their dance life, or whatever, you know, and, and it looks like sometimes that Parents end up kind of living vicariously through their children. Because their children are the ones who have an encounter, but you would think from the parents, like they're out there on the field playing too, or whatever. And you see, that doesn't work when it comes to Jesus, because we can't live through someone else's encounter. We can't listen to somebody get all fired up and talk about what Jesus is doing in their life and say, oh yeah, that's, that's great, me too. But did we really? You see, we've got to have that personal encounter for ourselves. We can't live through someone else's experience. We are called to be able to recognize Jesus as the Son of God. 1 John 5.20 says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal Life. It's about personally getting to know you. And see, that's the thing. I think there are a lot of people that say, yeah, well, I know God. I understand God. But they don't know that He is a personal God. God knows you personally. God knows you better than you know yourself. And that can be kind of a scary thought because, you know, every thought, every deed, everything that we do, everything that we say, God knows and He understands and, and He is very well aware of those things in your life. Over the years, I've uh, done a lot of different jobs. And uh, at college, I worked in radio and, and worked with a promotion group that brought in um, groups, singing groups and bands and things to perform at Eastern Kentucky University. Um, and then I spent time in radio and got to meet some, some famous folks. And so I, I began to think about some of the celebrities that I have encountered over the year. Now, some of these were in person, some of these were not. So I've got a slide up here with some pictures of some people. Uh, the guy up there in the left-hand corner, anybody know who that is? Jimmy Buffett. While I was at Eastern Kentucky University, Jimmy Buffett came and had a concert there. And um, I went to interview him the morning after the concert for the local radio station, the campus-run radio station I was a part of. So... Uh, Anyway, I think he may have been a little hungover when he came out. He pulled up in the van. They told me to come. I went to see him. They told me to come back. I came back. They said, he's not ready. He's not ready. He's not ready. So I waited, waited, waited. Spent my whole morning, missed a class to get a great interview with Jimmy Buffett. And I just wanted something quick and easy. And they pull around in the van. And I walk over. And he rolls the window down about this far. I said, hey, Jimmy, I'm with the campus radio station. I just want to get a quick da-da-da. He looked at me and goes, can't, man, i got to catch a plane. So needless to say, my Jimmy Buffett encounter was less than outstanding. Anybody, you probably don't know the guy there on the bottom with the guitar. That guy's his name is Rick Richards. He is a lead guitarist 
for a group called the Georgia Satellites. This is dating myself a little bit. It goes all the way back to the 80s. Anyway, he was a great interview and, and enjoyed uh, talking with him. The black and white picture up there on the top, that's actually, his name is Preston Hubbard. He actually passed away a few years ago. But he was the bass player for a band called the Fabulous Thunderbirds. Also, going back to, to campus days, he was a great interview too. I had a, enjoyed, a good time meeting him and talking with him. The guy down there, uh, the colorful guy over there. Now, when I was working in radio, I had to know. Anybody know who that is? Does the, does the stuffed animal give it away? No, it's not Santa, although he has been known to have a big white beard. That guy is, his name is Elmo Shropshire, uh, better known as Dr. Elmo, the guy who gives us the song, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Dr. Elmo is actually a veterinarian. That was his main job. I think he's retired from that now. But, but Dr. Elmo, I, I got a chance to do a radio interview with him. He had released another song, never quite as big as Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, and I had a chance to interview him on the radio. Neat guy, great guy, a little off in the head, but, but you've got to be if you write a song called Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, right? Yeah. The guy over to the far left, anybody know that guy? Obviously, he's a jockey. That is Pat Day. Pat Day is a uh, jockey, uh, came to fame because he had, had several triple count winners, actually rode a horse called Little E.T., won the Kentucky Derby in 1992. Uh, one of these in the uh, Jockey Hall of Fame, has over 8,000 wins, 8,000 wins in multiple different races, in, including a triple count races. Anyway, I had breakfast with Pat Day when I was pastoring in Louisville. We had a, a pastor's meeting. Of course, he lived in Louisville and uh, he came and was our guest speaker, and I got to, had a chance to sit down and have breakfast before he spoke uh, with, with Pat Day. The guy in the middle, if you're a native Kentuckian, you've got to go back to 1991 to 1995, the guy with the tie there, because uh, that guy is, that's, anybody know who that is? No? It is Brereton Jones. Brereton Jones was the Kentucky governor from 1991 to 1995, had opportunity to meet uh, Governor Jones do a radio interview with him when I was working in radio. Now, the guy on the bottom, if you're a football fan, you probably recognize that guy. I put him in his Indianapolis Colts attire because uh, he was the coach, head coach of the Indianapolis Colts that went on to win the uh, Super Bowl that year, the year that I met him, and that's Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy is a Christian, well-known uh, around the sports world, but also as a, as a Christian author. He's written a couple really good books about uh, strength from Christ and so on and so forth. But I did a, uh, a video interview I was for school work that I was doing, seminary, and I did a video interview with Tony Dungy. Great man, I tell you, it was awesome because he treated me just like I was the sports guy from Channel 8 in Indianapolis. He talked to me just like I was any other guy. He gave me the same kinds of interviews. And, and he is, when you meet him, he's exactly the same guy he is on TV. There is no question a man of character and integrity. So that, that meeting was a whole lot better than Jimmy Buffett's, let me tell you. So. But I'm saying, I do that to say, not to say, oh, hey, I met all these cool people. But what I'm saying is that, you know, I had genuine encounters with all of those people in different degrees. Some of them were better than others. Some of them left a bad taste in your mouth. And you may have your own genuine encounters with celebrities or famous people or whatever. The problem is, is that all of those people, no matter how famous, no matter what they're known for, they're human. They're fallible. They make mistakes. They say things, they do things that are not 
God-honoring, and I'm sure many of them don't even know God. But here's the thing. When we have a genuine encounter with Jesus, it will never leave us with a bad taste because He will forever know you by name and He will forever call you His own. When you know Jesus, you're a part of the family. La familia. You're grafted into the family. And what happens when we have that genuine encounter and we meet Jesus Christ for the first time? It means that there is to be a transformation. We are to be changed. Romans 12, 2, one of my favorite passages in Romans says this, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing, and perfect Will. You see, the way when we are transformed by Jesus Christ, that means that everything that we think, everything that we say, and everything that we do should be weighed against what God's Word says, should be weighed against the character of Jesus Christ. Is Jesus pleased with our behavior? Is Jesus pleased with the things that we say? Is Jesus pleased with our attitude? And I'm going to tell you, it's not an easy thing to do. Thanks to Joetta, we have a new term in our house. It's called your Jesus glasses. And every once in a while, Lisa and I remind ourselves, we got to put those Jesus glasses on. Now, here's what usually often happens, you know, is, is uh, you're talking about something and, and you don't mean to go there, but all of a sudden something happens because somebody made a decision you didn't like. And next thing you know, it's like, well, I can't believe they did that, you know. And so, so whoa, hang on, hang on. You got to step back and try to see what's going on in love. You know, you got to try to see what's happening through, the, through those Jesus glasses, through the eyes of Christ. And that's what I'm talking about, it being transformed. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we're always going to make the right call. It doesn't mean we're always going to say the right thing or do the right thing. But what it does mean is that we're going to do our best to try to love people the way that Jesus loves people, to see people the way that Jesus loves people. You see, once you've had this genuine encounter, that means that you cannot help but be transformed. You cannot help but be changed. Are you a changed person? Are you a changed man? Are you a changed woman? You see, Saul became Paul. He went from persecutor of the church to one of the greatest missionaries of the church. You see, when we become transformed, that means we no longer look like the world, but we should begin to look like the church, the true church of Jesus Christ. You know, again, there might be there are things in our, in our lives, there are, there are lifestyles, there are choices, and, and there are things that, that we might think are not necessarily sin, but we need to stop and weigh everything that we do because we can get very dogmatic and say, oh, well, this isn't sin. But you know what? We have to stop and think, does this hinder our witness? We need to take it to the next step. And I don't think that's being pharisaic at all because the Bible warns us about things that have the appearance of evil. Because if we are doing our best to be representatives of Christ, that means that if we're doing something that might be borderline, we've got to stop and think how other people are going to see it. What is the expectation? What is Christ's expectation when we live a life that is God-honoring, when we live a life for Him? You know, I see on, on social media, on Facebook, I see all the time, I, I see things that are posted by people that I know are Christians, or at least say they're Christians. But sometimes the things that they post, I kind of wonder, have they had this true 
come to Jesus' meeting? Have they truly stood in the light of Jesus Christ and been transformed and been changed? Braden went with me yesterday to that ordination service, and we were having, matter of fact, we were having this conversation about, uh, about social media yesterday on the way back. And I said, you know, I got to thinking about it. What if, as the pastor of One Hope Church, what if I took on my social media and said some of the same things or posted some of the same kinds of pictures? What do you think people would think about me? It's like, oh, that guy's a pastor? Well, you see, here's the thing. The rules aren't different for me. We're all followers of Jesus Christ. We all fall under that same conviction or should. You know, I, it, when I see people who are Christians and they post things, and sometimes it may not be something that they say, but they post a meme or something that someone else said, and there's all kinds of swearing in it. I'm like, But then, I, again, it, it's a matter of the heart. So I, I wonder about that. Or when we, when we glorify things that are not Christ-like, it, it breaks my heart to see that. Because what happens is, that, that's just not just a knock against you know, me because I know you. It's a knock against Christianity because if you claim the name Jesus Christ and you go out here and you act like hell and you act like the world, then what good is it? What that tells me is that you never had a real transformation. You never stood in the light of Jesus Christ and were bathed in the righteousness that comes from knowing Him. Now, here's the thing. We all make mistakes. And we can all fall backwards and we can all backslide a little bit and take a step back into something. But the thing is, is that when we know Jesus Christ, we realize where we are. We make every effort to get back in the light, back where we need to be. Let God help you. He will help you root out that stuff, you know? He, he, will, he will help you in your transformation. You see, sometimes we want to hold on to that stuff. You know, it, and some of it might be even, it really is sin, but the problem is, is that it's our fallback. And we think, oh, well, you know, if I do this, it's not really hurting anybody, right? But we need to let Jesus have that full transformation over all of our life, over all the parts and pieces. Let God help you root out that stuff that's keeping you from experiencing the amazing relationship that He desires to have with you. You know that God wants that kind of relationship with you, right? That God wants to, he wants to do amazing things in your life. But when we hold on to sin, when we hold on to stuff that keeps us from that transformative effect of being in the light of Jesus Christ, then that means that we're not getting the blessing that he wants for us as, as his sons and daughters. Now, it might be that there's some stuff that we need to let go of, and it may not even be a drastic change. And for for many people, it might just be a subtle change, but it's still, it's about taking a good look. It's it's about taking a look at the things that are in our lives and and to give in to that transformation. And it comes down to, to genuine obedience. You know, we live out our transformation. We, we get involved. We... we get involved in ministry of the church, what's going on. We, we make sure that we are taking time to be in God's Word because, you know, this Word is, is, the, is, is the God 
inspired word written down by men I know, but still, this is the inspired word of God. And if we truly believe that it is the word of God, then why aren't we spending time in it getting to know the character and who God truly is? What does God's word have to say to us? We need to make sure that we're getting into God's Word, that we're continuing our own spiritual growth. Don't expect to let someone else do it for you. Because if we're going to truly make a difference, we need to be obedient to what God's Word has to say. You know, Paul lived out his obedience until the end of his days. And again, 13 books. 13 books of the Bible attributed to this man who was persecuting Christians until he had this transformation. That means that we need to seek out to live in obedience Seek out the opportunities to live in obedience. And that means that we need to, to get wrapped up in the things of the church. Now, um, I, I, some books out there. There's one by, by Rick Warren. It's about purpose-driven church. And it talks about, uh, purpose-driven life, I'm sorry. It talks about um, all the different aspects of who we are and what we are to be about as followers of Jesus Christ. And really, there, it breaks down six areas. And I think I've talked about these before. But, you know, it talks about what it means to be obedient in prayer. That's spending time talking to God. That's, that's making time that, that we're getting down. I mean, spending some real conversation time. You know, not just in passing. We need to have some real heavy-duty prayer time. It also means that we're spending time in worship. The things that we do when we gather together on Sunday morning, the praise time, the music time, spending time in worship. We need to make sure that we are worshiping God. Why? Because He is worthy, is He not? Isn't God worthy of our worship? discipleship. This is another one. It's about if we're going to be a true disciple of Christ, and that means to be a true follower of Christ, to be a disciple is to live as Christ lives and live as Christ lived when he walked this earth and to follow his example. That's what being a true disciple is. And what are we doing about discipleship? Are we truly learning to understand and follow the word of Christ? And then evangelism. Oh my goodness, that's a word that some of you just in your mind, you just ran off and hid somewhere. Because that word evangelism scares a lot of people. Let me say it this way. Outreach. Right? It's the same thing. It's about reaching out to others with the good news of Jesus Christ. Evangelism actually comes from the Greek word euangelizo, which means the, the good news. And so the angels, when they appear to the shepherds on that hill outside Bethlehem to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ... In the Greek, that, that word that uses that term, they are messengers of the good news. They were evangelizing, reaching out to those shepherds, telling them about Jesus. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to be sharing with others the good news of Jesus. Sometimes it's, it's in our actions, but sometimes it's going to take it to the point that it's going to require a conversation to tell others why we are who we are and whose we are. And then there's ministry, this idea that, that we, we help take care of each other, that we reach out to those within our faith family who are in need, those people who need encouragement, those people who, who need a, some prayer support. You know, we've got some surgeries coming up. We need to be in prayer. We, we've got things that are going on in our lives, and, and so often we want to keep that stuff to ourselves, but that's why we encourage folks to share their, their prayer concerns. We don't have to know everything. If there are things that you don't want to share uh, about all the details and so on, we don't have to know all that, but certainly as your faith family, if there's something going on, let us know so we can be in prayer for you. We can be praying about that supporting and encouraging one another in ministry and then fellowship and you know in fellowship 
is, is not just, you know, we're going to have an ice cream social next Sunday after church, and it's an opportunity to, to mingle and, and get to know a little bit about some of the folks that are, are here. We've got some new people. Maybe you haven't chan- had a chance to meet everyone, uh, but that's going to be going on. But that's only one part of fellowship. You see, because true Christian fellowship takes it deeper. It's about getting to know. It's, it's about becoming intertwined with people's lives. You know, that we can be there for each other, that we can support each other. And it really, all of these things, all of these purposes, if you will, you can see how they all kind of interweave. And really, prayer becomes a part of, of everything, but so many of them kind of interweave into each other. That, that ministry and fellowship, they're tied together. Evangelism and discipleship, you know, they're tied together. They're all of these that, 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 that intertwine with one another. But it's in our daily obedience that we live out our genuine encounter with Jesus. And these are just some of the aspects of the things that we do that help us uh, to live out that Christ encounter. So again, have a genuine encounter with Jesus. Jesus as Lord and Savior. You've got to start there. Having Jesus as your Lord and Savior will bring you a transformation. And then once we are in that transformation process, it's about walking in the light of Christ each and every day. And there was light. Are you living in the light? Have you been in the light? Have you, have you asked in the light of Christ? Have you let the light of Christ absorb into you so that when you talk with others, when you share with others, when you are involved in the lives of other people, that it's the light of Christ that radiates out of you? Often we use the term, you know, being a beacon of light. And that's all that is. It's about sharing the light of Christ with others. In everything that you do, everything that you say, and you don't have to you know, carry your Bible around, and you don't have to like, thump people over the head with it just to get them to hear you. Part of it's just about those spiritual giftings, you know, how the Spirit manifests itself in us, and you know, the, the fruit of the Spirit. We, we can seek to love everybody, right? We can express our joy with other people. The peace we can offer to others to give them hope kindness, the goodness, all of those. Doesn't our world need more kindness and goodness right now? Doesn't our world need more love? You know, as followers of Jesus Christ, it's important that we take a stand. We take a stand for Christ and we share God's love with other people. And not everybody's easy to love. We've got a responsibility to love everybody. Now, we don't have to like everything that they do or like everything about them, but we still have a responsibility to love, right? That's just one of the things that we do when we're obedient. But we we need to make sure that we are living that Christ-light-filled life so that others see Jesus in you. The reality is that for some people, you may be the only connection to Jesus that they have. You think, well, in a world today filled with technology and there's so many things in the world, how can they not know Jesus? Well... They may know about Him, but a true encounter with Jesus may begin with you. So important that we live this transformed life of our genuine encounter in obedience to where God is calling. Why don't you pray with me?
Father, we thank you for your word to us today and this reminder that we all need to live this transformed life, that we all need Jesus. And Father, when we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, we continue to live in the light of Christ so that others around us know there's something about us, know there's something different, know it and want it. And Father, we know that we can be that connection to them as we, as we live out our faith. Father, I pray this morning that if there be someone here who's not had a genuine Christ encounter, that today would be the day. That today would be the day that they open their heart to you and say, I want more of you. I want Jesus in my life. And Father, I just again praise you for all that you are doing. All that you are doing here at One Hope. All that you are doing in this faith family. And Lord, I thank you that there's so many of us here today that can say, yes, Lord, yes. We have had that transformation. Now help me put it to use. Help me be the best Christ follower I can be so that others see Jesus, so that your kingdom sees the growth, and so that your name is proclaimed in all the land because we need more love and we need more kindness and gentleness and patience and all of those things that come from the Holy Spirit. So Father, I just again thank you for all you're doing and pray for anyone who needs to make a decision. Today would be the day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to take a moment.